Hey everyone, this is Mike from You'll Probably Agree. Today I speak with my friend Oscar nominee David McGowan uh, regarding the 1993 documentary The War Room that follows George Stephanopoulos and James Carville who ran the 1992 Bill Clinton presidential campaign and everything that sort of happened in that office and the dichotomy between how campaigns were run back then to what they are today. And also... How movies were made back then, documentaries on a technological level back then to today, which is an extreme difference. I want to thank my sponsor, Galway Bay, located at 500 West Diversity Parkway in Chicago, Illinois. Galway has been an incredibly supportive bar. They've let me set up my lights, let me film my show, whatever I kind of wanted in a way. They've been extremely supportive. So if you live in the Chicagoland area, go down there, have a drink, have a good time. They're really taking their safety precautions as seriously as possible. Uh, so don't feel scared to go there. But if you're like me and you do feel scared to go into a bar, which understandably so, you can buy a lot of their merchandise on dualdrinkware.com. You can find it on the link that I am providing in this video or in this podcast, however you're watching or listening to it. And on that link, you can buy coasters, wine glasses, hoodies, even a child's play hoodie. Um, you could buy uh, t-shirts. I own a lot of these things and I, I use them on a daily basis. I probably, you know what, I'm using one of the Galway Bay glasses right now. So... What the hell? Why not go there and get some stuff? It's affordable, it's great, and you'll be using it for a long time. Anyways, with all that said, we're going to start the episode about the 1993 documentary, The War Room, now. Thanks for listening, and have a good one. We love Hillary's new patriotism thing. It's the economy, stupid. Speak from your heart tonight. I mean, that's all that matters. Read my lips. Just the most famous broken promise in the history of American politics. spin. We will win. Hello, everyone, and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Today, I have my good friend, Oscar nominee, uh, David McGowan from Ravenswood Media here. And uh, as a documentary filmmaker, I was surprised you never seen this little documentary. Actually, a lot of people haven't, but it's on the Criterion channel now. Uh, this isn't the sponsorship for them, by the way, but I, I love them, so... Uh, well, why not sponsor them? <laughs> and it's called The War Room, part our first movie for political movies month uh, before the revitalization of democracy or the death of it. Um, and The War Room deals with the 1992 uh, presidential uh, race with Bill Clinton versus George H.W. Bush. Uh and basically the campaign office that was run by George Stephanopoulos and James Carville, who've gone on to uh, really become sort of household names within the political spectrum. Uh, so, Dave, uh, I got your text last night and you wrote, good doc. Thanks for recommending. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what did you like about it? Well, it's I. It is a very good documentary. It's and it represents a lot of work. I can't believe those guys put together this ninety-minute documentary with no narration, just using cinema verite as it happens, you know, and 
putting it together into into something that becomes a narrative. You know, it seems like at first a bunch of disjointed shots, but then it all comes together uh, as you're watching the movie. You're getting a really a, a very good sense of what it must have been like to be in the Clinton campaign office. Yeah, and the thing I love about cinema verite filmmaking when it comes to documentaries is there are so often with documentaries they kind of get drowned out especially today with editing you know there's so many interviews interconnected with a lot of cutaway footage or the perverse term for it b-roll and you don't get a an emotional connection with anybody because I want to see a scene unfold in real time. And before I can get emotionally invested in that scene, before I can let it soak in, the, the person's talking over the, the footage and, and then all this other stuff's going on. And it's like, I just want to see what's happening. Uh, it, it reminds me of a documentary I saw. This has nothing to do with politics, but there's this documentary on the, the DVD for Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, called Star Wars Episode One: The Beginning. And it's just raw footage of them making the movie. And it speaks volumes above any interviews you can get. Yeah, and this one was cool because uh, even though it's a Clinton campaign, Clinton himself is like this distant figure, you know, that everything yeah. is buzzing around. But he's really not central to the movie at all. He just pops in every now and then and almost like in third person. Yes, you only see Bill Clinton uh, like in the movie, like outside of the 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 uh, cutaway footage from the news. You only see him once, I think, where he's sort of wearing this Arkansas jersey for some football team, and you know he's kind of hanging around the guys in the in a hotel room with Stephanopoulos and Carville, and kind of joking around with them. And that's all you see of him. And the only other time you see them speaking to Clinton is on the phone when they're all giddy after he won the, the presidency. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. And it's also, um, it was cool to see 16 millimeter film again. Yeah. In a documentary, you know, the format, I think about uh, uh, 32 minutes in when they go to Little Rock, they get shots of Little Rock uh, for the movie. You actually see in the lower right corner a hair. And that used to be <laughs> the thing with um, filmmaking. I, I was an assistant cameraman for a long time. After every scene, whenever you got a chance, actually, you'd always have to remove the lens, use a little flashlight and a magnifying glass, and look over the aperture where the film is sitting to see if like little strands of of uh, film emulsion would get dislodged and end up in the gate of the film of the of the camera, and uh, it used to be something that um, would plague movies, especially documentaries, because you're just doing it on the go. You can't always check for these hairs, and if you had a perfect shot but it had a hair in it, you had to use it. I think even like they made fun of it in some Bugs Bunny cartoons, like in the forties <laughs> where the hair shows up in the, in the cartoon where of course you'd never have a hair in the gate for a cartoon, but 
uh, Bugs Bunny has some, you know, he does a riff on it and pulls the hair out or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I always wondered <clears throat> how the hair got in there because I was like, does that get in the lens from someone's head or is, no, is that no, during the colorful it process? It's, it's not a hair. It's not actually a hair. It's a piece of the film, the actual emulsion of the film, not the emulsion, but the, the film itself the medium, it kind of gets dislodged from the side of the, you know, the perforations or whatever, and ends up getting lodged into the aperture. So oh. it's, it's, a, it's a piece of the film that gets lodged there. But because it's, you know, it's a very tiny piece, but because the aperture is tiny, when you view it on a screen, it looks huge. Now, with that 16 millimeter film, how did they get natural light with that? Because, you know, whatever I filmed that film, you would need, you know, lights upon lights upon lights to get proper exposure. Well, no, 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 by 1992, they had some pretty fast film uh, emulsions. Hmm. Uh, 7247, I think, was the, the Kodak number for it. Yeah. Uh, for, the, for the negative. And, and it was... Yeah, it's probably like back then we used the thing called ASA, which I think yes. today they call it ISO. Yeah. Uh, but it was it got up to like maybe uh, six hundred. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now so, it goes so up to like thirty two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It, you know, most um, digital cameras I've saw like with the Canon, you can go up to like like sixty four hundred, which is yeah. just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's insane. Uh, I know I'm getting the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K, and damn, like you film in a pitch black room, which I basically did, and still see stuff. It gets a little noisy then, but uh, going, but I do kind of like. I like the, the look of it though. I like the look of the film as it's using natural light, especially with the movie last night with the War Room, because a lot of it's like these fluorescent lights, and they got this kind of green tint to them. Yeah. They, it makes it look sort of film noir, you know? <laughs> well, it really kind of captures how you're just stuck in this little office all the time. Like, cause you think when they're working on these presidential campaigns, you get this big fancy office, you know, with the wooden chairs, uh, nothing like that. It's just a crappy little office building on the corner of some street in Pennsylvania or wherever. Oh, I mean, Arkansas. I, yeah. In Arkansas, thank you, yeah. And that's really, I mean, I, as a guy who's worked in a lot of political offices, I mean, that's usually what those places are like. You're trying to find the office and you're like, wait, that's the place? Like in this strip mall? Right. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's Very where you're going to go. Yet. Yeah. Um, I, the thing that I came away with though was just how much work it, it must have been like the production itself you know you they've got like i bet you they had like two or three cameras at any given time in the same room and plus carville and stephanopoulos are wearing wires you know yeah. lavalier radio mics and back yeah. in the film days and i'm i, I don't know video editing at this point wasn't really they were probably still editing this stuff on film. Yeah. And uh, just think of that. Every, 
you know, both cameras are running film. They're not running them in sync with one another. They're running them at the same time, but they're probably overlapping. And then they're making mag stock. You know, everybody today, you know, it's like, well, you've got a Zoom recorder, so you know that they're, you record the sound on a second medium. Yeah. But, and well, and today it would be a second uh, um, file extension, you know, like a wave or something like that. Whereas the, the, uh, the film or the, the digital media is a dot movie. So you got a dot movie and a dot wave. And then you bring them into your editing system. You got to sync them up. And usually the computer does that. But back then, in, in those days, they'd have a clapper. Mm-hmm. You know, they got a snack, you know. Well, they still have them, but yeah. yeah. Uh, or, or they'd have, back then with documentaries, they'd have this little, like, uh, box, a little metal box that could hold in the palm of your hand. And it had a little button on the side of it that would flash a light and send a signal to the separate audio recorder so that when you got the dailies in you'd sync it up by looking for that light and then listening for the beep you know that was very distinctive but a lot of times they did you know you're on the move you can't do that and so guys would have to lip sync or look for something in the in the in the in the visual medium that like a chair that got moved or something and then listen to the the sound, the separate soundtrack and try to find that sound. And then, oh man, it was a nightmare to try to sync stuff up. Cause I, you know, I did documentaries like that myself. And, but this one went on for like, what? It went on for like a year. Yeah. How yeah. much film they must've ended up with, you know? And, and the, the post-production work just incredible. Yeah, I mean, I've edited footage like i mean i've shot on film before i actually still own a 16 millimeter bolex camera uh that is operational that's the it's the bolex that you actually see on the picture that you'll see in the youtube version of this video it's on the picture of all the ypa stuff that's my functioning bolex um and functioning bolex exactly (laughs) take that as you will um (laughs) um the I've edited footage like that before, not to that extent where I had to do it with film, but I've had to have certain moments where maybe I didn't have the clapper synced up to my shot. And yeah, I had to wait for someone to knock on a door, put a chair down, enunciate yeah. a B or a T a certain way. And it's, it's a fucking mess to put together. <laughs> but, but what's cool, though, because uh, what I've discovered, if you don't, you, you know, generally you want to have a guide track, mm-hmm. usually the camera audio, the crappy camera audio. And then yeah. the computer matches that waveform yeah. with the waveform that comes from your Zoom unit. Yeah. And you, you just hit a couple buttons and boom, it's done. But sometimes, you know, you, you screw up, you forget to turn on the camera mic. Yep. So yep. there's no guide for the, uh, the Zoom unit. But I found that if, if I sync up the Zoom unit with the, uh, with the, uh, the video, 
if I find that spot, you know, lip reading, listen for B's and P's, that's how you sync it up. Uh, then it's sunk up for the entire shot. See, that, that didn't happen with film. No, it was just all mute, and you had to have the time mark on your clapper to the right shot to everything. Well, it was it was yeah. both the sound recorder and the camera, their speed, their electronic speed, you know, how the machine is running, yeah. was governed by a crystal. And the crystal, if you didn't have that crystal, Forget it, man. It would be in sync for like maybe six, seven seconds, and then slowly it would go out of sync, and then you'd have to resync it again. It, it was just an utter nightmare if you didn't have that crystal connection between the audio and the uh, video or film uh, uh, units components. God, I'm glad I didn't have to go through that particular thing. Like the worst I had to go through was like if my internal mic wasn't on on my video camera then you know i'd have to then you got to lip sync it but you only had to yeah. do it once and it's done Boom. yeah exactly yeah. Uh, with the crystal when it goes out of sync i i mean the, the closest i had to it is i shot a live show this guy demanded that he had his feed be plugged in so i let him plug it into his camera and i swear to god every few minutes the audio would drift uh out of sync and wow, I what, to... what caused that fuck if i know oh. um his shitty setup <laughs> yeah, right. uh that i re that i didn't want him to use but i'm like fine here stop bitching here's your fucking setup you know <laughs> so well, I, I couldn't believe though uh watching the um the documentary it just brought back a lot of memories about that time yeah uh, i that's a very that was a very distinctive campaign i don't remember a lot of campaigns what happened but that one I do, because uh, he came out from out of nowhere. I forget. I forgot that Songus was in the race too. He was a good guy. Hmm. Paul Songus was a an honest, decent politician. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Jerry Brown. You know, I yep. remember at the time, uh, Jerry Brown when he was running against uh, Clinton. Um, Mike Royko, you do you remember who he is? No, I mean I when when I was around, this movie came out in '94, something like that. It should be on here, 1993. Yes, and in '90, you know, so I was born in 1985, so yeah. I was like eight years old, maybe but nine. You never heard your parents talking about Mike Royko? No. So Mike Royko was like the Jimmy Breslin of Chicago, hmm. like a uh, columnist, an opinion columnist that everybody went to every day. He was with the uh, Chicago Daily News first, but then he went to the uh, Sun-Times. And I think he ended up with the Tribune at some point. I think when Murdoch bought the Sun-Times in the late 80s, uh, hmm. he jumped ship and went to the Tribune. But he called Jerry Brown Governor Moonbeam. <laughs> and that's it what that was. Just, it, it connected, you know, it just every, everybody started referring him to. And then Royko, I think it was during this campaign, yeah. Jerry Brown came to see Royko because he's, because Royko was the guy to see if you wanted the Chicago, Illinois to vote for you. Yeah. That uh, Royko ended up writing a, an apology column. 
to Jerry Brown saying, hey, this guy, I got it wrong. This guy really knows what he's talking about. And I, wow. you know, watching the, the documentary last night, I thought, God, yeah, you know, I, I bet you Jerry Brown would have made a good president. There's a lot of people who are honest, good politicians that don't make it because they just don't have charisma. I think ever since they introduced the televised medium of the presidential debates, it became sort of a beauty contest. You know, when you have uh, Kennedy won by a mile, but on the radio is a tie. But it's always the charismatic politicians who seem to win. You know, uh, Bill Clinton, I have nothing against him. I, I mean, I think the moment he won the American public was when he was playing that saxophone on the Arsenio Hall show on the intro. Uh, yeah, partially. It was yeah. also because um, George Bush Sr., people had pretty much had their fill of the Reagan years. I, I think they were done. And uh, that read my lips, that was a dumb thing for him to do. Mm, yeah you, you know what i'm talking about yes yeah, so you read my lips no new taxes yeah, yeah and then you know they just hammered him on that yes and they show that in the documentary it's like read my lips no read the facts and it was amazing when they were going over sort of the ad campaign right. in that movie because when they were doing the ad campaign i remember that the, they really wanted to push this one story where they were printing the the uh, George H.W. Bush's banners and they were printing them in a place in Brazil, Brazil. Yeah. And they 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 fought like hell to get that footage. And I don't know, did they air that ad in the end or did they not? But they went they out. Did, for, but it, it just yeah. never went anywhere. It was yeah. like an idea. They thought they had them and, and it just didn't go anywhere. Yeah, but just to see how much goes through with that. I mean, just, just how in the last minute I completely empathized with their with their ads director because they're talking to her on the phone and James Carville, when he hangs up on the phone with her, he says, I don't get what's so difficult. You know, I just want you yeah, to right. every time you say, well, that's going to be difficult. Why is it going to be so difficult? And then I don't know the name of the, the heavier guy who was next to him, but he said, well, dude, you're telling her you have this certain idea that you want to just change a little thing in the ad. And then all of a sudden you introduce an entirely new script. Like what the fuck do you expect? And like, everyone's laughing at him. And for a moment, James Carville even laughed at himself. He's like, all right, I guess you're right. <laughs> you know, which took a lot for him to say. Yeah. It was also a neat uh, side story that he was dating. Uh, uh, Madeline, Madeline. Yeah. The, the campaigner for uh, George W. Carville was? Yeah. I didn't get that at all in the movie. I didn't yeah. know he was dating her. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, eventually, I think they got married. You know, yeah, because, yeah, they and they I think they're still married, yeah. if I remember. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing is, is that people think with these com political campaigns, people hate each other. Now they do. But before Trump, they did it. People would get along and they, they were friends behind the scenes, you know? Sort of. <laughs> yeah, well, they were sometimes, you know? Sometimes they hated each other, but mostly they were friends. You know, and, and that's a perfect example of it. And I love the dichotomy between uh, James Carville and George Stephanopoulos. Yeah. 
Very because people. Yeah, because James Carville was is the raging Cajun. You know, he's this guy from Louisiana, New Orleans, and he's got this big attitude. He's going to tell you exactly what he thinks at the top of his head, but he's got brains. But boy, does he have a large personality, and he gets results, damn it. And he speaks his mind, and he just has this incredible persona to him where George Stephanopoulos is this calm, cool, collective, soft-spoken kind of guy. Alter boy, yeah. Yeah, kind of this alter boy, but boy, does he have a vicious snake bite. Uh, I shouldn't use that uh, terminology considering the the snake that that we directed. Uh, Yeah, but he, he, but I remember he's on the phone. Was it with Ross Perot in the movie where Ross Perot was refusing to drop out and George Stephanopoulos just laid down the hammer with him and he told him, well, if you don't drop out, you're going to politically hurt your career forever and people will remember you forever for this in, in a very destructive way and right. it'll follow you to the grave. Or you could leave now and it'll hurt temporarily, but in the end, history will view you favorably. Right. And I'm just like, is he fucking threatening him? But yeah, he, yeah. yeah, I mean, he kind of was threatening him. But at the same time, he was just telling him the God honest truth. And guess what? In the end, that's what we remember Ross Perot for. He didn't want to drop out of that campaign. I mean, and Ross Perot was this little kind of squirrely guy. You know, I say, no, I say kind of personality. You know, he was real famous for Dana Carvey sort of impersonating him on SNL. I, along with George H.W. Bush, he impersonated him him, him too. Um, but I, I, is Ross Perot even alive? I think he's no, dead think now. He died, yeah. yeah. And that's what we remember him for is that guy who wanted to be a big baby and not drop out of that race. And well, guess he, uh, he actually he had more to do with Bush losing than he did with Clinton winning. Huh. I think he drew more votes from Bush than he did from Clinton. Right, right. Well, in the end, it... Clinton, Clinton uh, became was the first president to uh, not uh, win a plurality of the vote. You know, <laughs> over fifty percent. Really? That is a plurality. Because, yeah. like, they made it look like a landslide. A majority. In that movie. He didn't win a majority of the vote. Right. You mean he won the electoral college, but not the popular vote? Nobody won. Nobody got over 50% with the popular vote. Ross Perot had like 15%. Uh, George W. had like 35%. And then, uh, or, or 38%. And then Clinton had 42%. I see. Yeah, well, but, the, but... It was a landslide as far as the electoral college i uh, i think it was um i think clinton ended up with like 370 electoral uh college votes to um uh bush uh seniors um uh 170 yeah so it was uh it was it was a slaughter yeah uh looking back at some of the stuff from that campaign then to today, I saw a lot of similarities. For instance, you had Jennifer Flowers, 
who basically made up this whole story about Bill Clinton having this 12-year relationship with her. She did make it up. She did, right? No, she did not. Is that true? pretty much true, yeah. I mean, as much as I can dope out, it's it, she did. She she was his girlfriend for 12 years. Well, even so, the, the thing that was very damaging in that, which they would never dare do today, was they asked her if a political party approached her with that story. And then she said that they did. And they said, who? And she said, the Republican Party. I'm going to guess everyone in that room next to her was like, shut the fuck up. You're going to fuck this up for us. <laughs> what she yeah, said. Yeah, right. You know? I mean, I, I, yeah, but then, then we have Tara Reid today, you know, who's saying that, what, uh, Joe Biden grabbed her ass or something like that. And look, I don't. Today? What, yeah. that just came out or something? No, this is months ago. Oh, okay. And, and you know what? Oh, and, right. Yeah, right. No, right. The, the, the woman intern, right. Yes. And, and the thing is, every political campaign always has some sort of scandal or something like that. With Trump, it doesn't matter. He just, you know, he, he raped like 20 women. Some, somehow nobody gives a shit, you know. Uh, right. But with, with uh, well, not rape. Some of them he raped. Some of them he just harassed, you know, but whatever. Uh, not whatever, but whatever. Uh, at the same, but at the same token, you know, I don't want to not listen to what victims of sexual abuse have to say, right? But as it turns out, with Tara Reid's case, she's had a plethora of subs of unsubstantiated fuck of unsubstantiated of substantiated <laughs> claims regarding sexual harassment with other politicians she has a history of bullshitting in other words yeah uh, no not jennifer flowers i think no yeah. and i think that's what pissed off the the right wing because they were like god all these feminists are for pro clinton and here he's like a a philanderer and you know he went on 60 minutes with hillary and he said yeah we're working it out and i think he finally fessed up to it in yeah. some manner but he went on then the, you know monica Lewinsky, and then i mean of late he's deeply tied with epstein you know it's like he's is he the, yeah he was on the planes there, there's something there it's uh it's not good you know so yeah. yeah i i i don't tend to think of clinton as like some sort of uh saint yeah. yeah, hero no. or anything, no. No. I thought he was a good president, but yeah, he's not a saint. And uh, not to but let's let's not forget that Trump was tied to Epstein as well and Trump was in the Democratic Party at a certain time and I think he was friends with the Clintons until you know, he completely went off the rocker oh, yeah, and sure. just made just made yeah. them enemies just because it would satisfy his own ego. Uh, you know, it was I, cool to see some of the people that are around today. I mean, obviously, Stephanopoulos and Carville are around, but uh, uh, there are a lot of shots of Paul Begala. Huh. Paul Begala. Oh, yeah. That, that, it's like the entire fucking uh, chair, uh, the entire cast of Crossfire was there. Right. 
If you remember, if, if anybody remembers that show, that was a show that basically Jon Stewart canceled by grilling all of them, telling them that they're ruining the political process on their own show because he had oh, Clark- yeah, the one where he he, uh, he brutalized Carlson Tucker's in his in his bow tie. Tucker Carlson and his bow. Yeah. And he stopped wearing bow ties after that. Right. What, do you, what do you expect from a fucking guy named Tucker? Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> sorry to anyone who's a decent person named Tucker. I'm sorry your parents <laughs> named you that. Hillary uh, looked good. You know, for the day, she did look okay. You know, she, she looked all right. And you got to give her credit. She stuck around. I really wish the Biden campaign would just, I, would, I made this analogy. I wish that the Biden campaign would treat Hillary Clinton uh, like how uh, Disney treated the Star Wars prequels when they had their first revitalization of Star Wars, The Force Awakens. They come, they acted like those movies didn't exist, right? Just push it away, push it away. It didn't happen. After The Force Awakens came out, when the next big Star Wars convention, they're like, hey, remember the prequels? Remember Jar Jar Binks? They're here. Say hi to them, you know? But that's what Joe Biden should do with Hillary Clinton. He should be like, no, 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 no. Forget about Hillary. Just push her to the side. Uh, we want nothing to do with you. You know, you didn't fight oh, hard. I, that's the way I think he's handled it. I, I don't see him associating himself with Hillary. Oh, God, all the time. It's just like, hey, join Kamala and Hillary, where we talk Uh-oh. about the future. And here's Hillary. Like, no, fuck it. They gave Hillary Clinton more, a, a huge amount of speaking time at the DNC while they push Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to the side, where she sounded like she was endorsing Bernie Sanders, that she had to later... Which she later had to clarify on Twitter, of all things, that she wasn't, that she was actually endorsing Biden. But, oh, God, just get Hillary the fuck out of sight. She's poison, you know? Yeah. Introduce her after Biden wins. After Biden wins, be like, hey, Hillary, we love you. You know, we forgive you. Yay, Hillary. But for now, no. Treat her like the fucking prequels when The Force Awakens came out. There you go. (sighs) And Ann Richardson, the governor of Texas, the first woman governor of Texas, Uh she was a force to be contended with. Yeah. If you remember a white-haired lady in a red dress, that that was kind of her trademark. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't know who she is, right? No, I mean, again, this was, I was eight years old or yeah, something like right. that at this time. Yeah. It the was... one thing about the documentary, though, I mean, it was, it was a good movie. However, about a little over an hour, like at maybe 70 minutes, I noted that I started to check how much more time there was on it. They spent... I get kind of like, not bored exactly, but a little anxious for it. They, they spent a little too much time on that Brazil ad sequence. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's that's where it slowed down. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, like this ad didn't really mean anything in the end. Why are we focusing so much on this? And it's funny, they made a big deal out of that, but look at where all but the fucking MAGA hats are made in China, some of them. You know, where now Trump has gone into a trade war with. Well, you know, you got to remember his numbers are dropping. Yeah, we'll see. I, I want to, you know, I'm feeling confident, but I want to keep my horses in the stable until the race is over. Uh, I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> essentially, I want to subvert my expect. I want to, I want to keep my expectations at bay. Yeah, keep them low. Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, uh, and it's funny, they canceled the debate in 1992, which was a big deal. And now they're canceling debates left and right. I think Trump still wants, no, he, does he want to have the debate today? Or I heard somewhere, a friend was telling me. The no, new- th- 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 I guess the, they, this morning, yeah. the people that run the debate say, hey, we got to do this at uh, remote locations. Yeah. And Trump and doesn't want to do it via Trump. Zoom because they don't want him to cut off the other person like I just did right. with you. Right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, which I apologize for. Yeah. So I, I think that they are going to uh, they're going to cancel the uh, debates. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's fine by me. I, I think at this. Uh, you know what? It would be great if they did do a Zoom debate because when he goes overtime, they could just press the fucking mute button on him. Right. And, and they would, too. Yeah. Because they have to. He, yeah, he, he's losing. Uh, the 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 more apparent it becomes, he's losing. The less fearful he is to the people that uh, uh, run the show. You know, one thing that really fascinated me with the movie was they were actually fact checking their own ad with that whole Brazil printer uh, oh, campaign sure. poster, and I'm just thinking today they don't give a about the facts like look at the trump administration no, the democrats do the democrats are still trying not to get caught with their pants down so they they have yeah. to be careful when they they say stuff because they're boy but, scouts but the other yeah. side no trump doesn't care no. yes the democrats aren't exactly known for their dirty tricks as much as the republicans are um, but do you remember seeing the returns at the end like illinois plus oh god yeah it was like man i didn't realize how much, uh, uh, by how much Clinton won. Yeah, it was huge. I, I think people just, they, I mean, I was surprised if they were tired with Ronald Reagan, then why did they elect a Republican president after him? <clears throat> well, the, the, the powers that were behind Reagan uh, mm. wanted George Bush. And uh, what was going on then? Yeah, because it was peculiar. Yeah, Dukakis. Uh, Why Dukakis lost? You know, they. I. The thing that stands out is Dukakis riding around in a tank with a with a helmet on, and for some reason <laughs> that that uh, torpedoed his chances. That was like the salient moment of when uh, Dukakis uh, collapsed. But I don't know why. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, things that were prevalent in 2016 are still prevalent today. And uh, it's just that things have gotten worse and in the gutter. How do, you, how do you think things have really changed from back then to today, if at all? Well, one thing that was prescient in it was um, uh, Carville complaining and saying, that is Roger Ailes. That's his work, you know, it's like this, like talking about the slimy, sleazy side of politics, saying it's Roger Ailes. And this is, you know, a couple of years, three years before the Fox News. Mm -hmm. So that goes to show you just how deeply embedded the uh, Ailes model was, you know, he just needed the money that Murdoch provided. Yeah, and it just kept growing and growing, and then Roger Stone came along. 
Seth well, Rogers Green. Rogers Stone's been around since the seventies. God, yeah, but he just keep growing. Him and Ailes just kept growing like this, like this infectious disease. If only I could think of one as a metaphor for that. <laughs> well, the one yeah. thing is though that Roger Stone isn't nearly the magnitude of impact that Roger Ailes was. I mean, it's mm. it's like can you know. It's like comparing, uh, you know, Adolf Hitler to <laughs> Richard Daly. You know, it's, oh God, it's not. They're not in the same league, even. Wow, you know, it's very, very, very different uh, impacts. Yeah, but but from the same place though. They they um, not that Richard Daly's a bad. I, I actually like Richard Daly as a mayor, mm. but. Uh, they um, both practice politics as like some sort of game mm -hmm. rather than something that's that it should be, you know, which is a noble and part of the democratic system. But yeah, there you have it. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's ending now, though. It's this is the end of it. This is the end of their their run. I hope so. It's either the end of their run or the end of democracy. Well, but we'll see. The, the, but the, the important thing is, in the end, you go vote. Damn it. Stand in that light. If you get a mail-in ballot, deliver that motherfucker straight to someone's house. You, I, right. Straight to your polling station, I mean. You know, you get in the mail, you walk, and, and it looks promising right now. We got three million people delivering ballots in person and if i were to take an educated guess a majority of them are not going through all that trouble to deliver that ballot to vote for a continuation of what's happening today no uh, the enthusiasm is definitely on the democratic side yeah but if there was anything to take away from this uh, w what would you take away in terms of how a campaign is run how an underdog sort of rises up from the ashes to become this victorious being. Uh, I would say that that documentary was closely controlled by the campaign people. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, um, that's true. It was a feel good movie about winning, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, so as a historic document, I would say it's a little suspect, but, um, yeah. but it was, you know, but it had a good narrative and, you know, it, it worked. Yeah. Uh, it's just that I don't think it's, you can't use it as a historical source. Yeah. I mean, that's very true. And I should have thought about that and I didn't, which is it, it is something where, I'm pretty sure Stephanopoulos, Carville, you know, they're, they're both saying, you know, uh, don't make us look bad. You know, don't show. Yeah. B or C. And they're wearing microphones, you know, radio microphones. They'll forget they have them on. They would say rotten yeah. things. I'm sure, you know, maybe you're not <laughs> as bad as that Durst guy, but. Yes. Know. I was just thinking of that. Kill them all. Of course. Yeah. Right. But, uh, so I, I think somebody had a leash on those uh, filmmakers, of course. Yes, yes. But even so, as, as a historical uh, accounts, 
it's 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 fascinating it's like you're being tricked the the film making movies cinematography the movie camera is the closest thing mankind has to time travel yeah because we see a period of time that's in motion that uh, you see these people talking. You see what the not only what they looked like, what they sounded like, what the atmosphere was like, and it brings you back to that time. I had that feeling when I was watching The Last Dance. I don't know if you saw the the, the uh, ESPN documentary about the Bulls' ten-year season, and they have this this the sixteen-millimeter film footage of them. Or it might be thirty-five, even. Who knows? Uh, in the in the in the locker rooms, and it was transported me to my childhood. I'm like, God, I'm there again. Yeah, right. You know, I I feel like I'm in the locker room with Jordan himself, and it's completely uncensored. You know, you're having Jordan, you know, uh, hugging. Uh, 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 Scotty yeah, Pippen. Yeah, I was thinking Larry Bird, and he says. You know, you bitch, fuck you to him. You know, you would never see that back then, but you see it today. You know, it gives you a different sort of uh, understanding of the man. You know, where he was—he kind of had an egocentric persona like Trump, except he had empathy to him as well, and he was an honorable man. But it's incredible what film can do. How it can transport you there? Yeah, I—I yeah. I love watching verite footage like that without the interviews you know the, the best parts of the last dance is when no one was talking and you just saw what was going on in that locker room although the the, the, the interviews they used wonderfully especially with jordan looking at the uh um at the ipad with and reacting to what people were saying about him <laughs> right yeah, uh, that's cool yeah, but yeah, having said that, I, I, I would highly recommend it. If you have the Criterion channel, go Google it. You can see so many incredible classic films on there that it's almost an unlimited resource of, of uh, knowledge. Uh, but yeah, having said that, thanks for coming on. Uh, is there anything Thank you, you want to... Yeah. Thanks for recommending that movie. It was a really good documentary. Yeah, is there anything you want to add about it before uh before yeah, no, uh, just you know, <laughs> it's yeah. just funny that you know it's 30 years ago, nearly 30 years ago and wow, you know, who could have predicted where we'd be today? The life is unpredictable, which is why I want to uh keep my expectations at bay for yeah. November 3rd. Uh but I, if I were to urge anyone anything, think of how civil, as crazy as things seem now, think of how civil, how quaint things were back then. Remember when uh, Stuttering John from the Howard Stern show asked Jennifer for flowers, did Governor Clinton use a condom? Remember when that was considered degrading and disgusting? That's quaint now. We had Anderson Cooper asking Stormy Daniels in a legitimate interview if Trump used protection. Yeah, yeah. what was that? She said that she she grabbed the Forbes magazine with his face on it, rolled it up, and spanked his bare ass with it. <laughs> he did? 
Yeah, you didn't hear that? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Isn't guy's... that creepy? Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just it's this guy. Yeah, this guy is the definition of a slithering, disgusting creep that yeah. just makes your skin crawl. <laughs> you know, I, I just... Uh, if you see, uh, if there is one movie, I wouldn't recommend it, but I'd recommend the the Donald Trump scenes play, played by Brendan Gleeson. Watch the the Comey rule, and the way Gleeson plays him, it's kind of like if Marlon Brando played Batman. <laughs> he just has this real mean voice to him. Where he's oh, always is this a SNL? Being, no, but it comes off like a fucking SNL sketch. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's fascinating to watch. Just the first dramatic interpretation of Trump. Many more to come. So for the next century. Yeah. If we yeah, if if we have freedom of speech <laughs> after that. Uh but no, thank you for coming on. Uh please uh check out david's film google mark of the maker it's on there and uh it's an oscar nominated documentary short from 1994 1992 oh so there you go just during clinton's years you know so when clinton was uh president or uh, won the presidency david mcgowan got his oscar nomination uh and uh please check out his work uh, David, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Mike. Uh, yep. Uh, this is Mike Crowley from You'll Probably Agree, why I started on my own name. I don't know. I'm a moron. Uh, go check us out at ypareviews.com. The YPA stands for You'll Probably Agree. Have a great one. Thanks. Landslide. I like the way this thing feels. They change the way campaigns are won. The War Room. From D.A. Pennybaker and Chris Hedges. This is just the most American thing you can do. <laughs>